Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. I'm going to tell you all a true story. Over the past 10 months, when I've shared with people that my church is in Buckhead, the first thing out of their mouths is to say that they are going to pray for me. (laughs) You know, like, I need it. These are pastors from the Atlanta environs usually, and so they're familiar with our fair slice of the city. And even though they aren't familiar with our congregation, not being of the Presbyterian persuasion, they have some ideas about Bucket and the belief that anyone sharing the gospel good news in this particular corner of the country will need strong prayers. Here's how it goes. Typically, I've been in some sort of national or regional gathering, a cohort of pastors, where folks are gathered across denomination, sometimes in person, sometimes on Zoom, and we gather to share and to learn and to grow. And when it comes time for the introductions, I say who I am and that I've been called to a congregation in Atlanta's Buckhead neighborhood, and I get ready for some questions. People have usually either heard of Buckhead, maybe from Bravo, I don't know, or they just want to get to know Atlanta better. And as I mentioned, there is inevitably someone there in this cohort who has spent time in or who is from the metro Atlanta area. So many pastors in America have spent time in this city, training, serving, or just passing through. So one of the things that I have learned to do is after I drop the bombshell that I serve a church in Buckhead, I let the questions about Buckhead go to the other pastors from the metro area so that I get to learn a little bit from these other pastors who will describe my place to me so I can see what information I might get that's new. One time, a pastor from out towards Stone Mountain said, Buckhead, that's the place where you have to have a good credit score to even breathe in front of the shop doors. (laughs) I will pray for you, sister. Another time, it was a pastor from the Gainesville area who asked, in response to my particular address, isn't that the black part of Buckhead? And a quick rejoinder came from the Greater Decatur worship leader who said, there is no black part of Buckhead. Don't you know that's where the rich white people live? (laughs) Undoubtedly, there is much more to our fair slice of the city than credit scores and privileged skin color. But even our nation's public radio station, when they explored Buckhead's recent efforts of cityhood, summarized our local context in this way, Buckhead is the richest and whitest part of Atlanta. And it's true. Here's your data. From the most recent census, 72% of Buckhead is white non-Hispanic, compared to 
28% of the rest of Atlanta. And the median household income in Buckhead is about $110,000, far above Atlanta's overall of $69,000. Buckhead's per capita income is $85,500, more than twice that in the rest of Atlanta, which is just over $40,000. And let's not even go there on the housing prices. Suffice it to say, Buckhead remains king of home values and sky-high prices. If you're looking for a house over $2 million, you might likely find it here. So that's why they pray for us, y'all. Because, of course, the gospel message turns the world upside down, and when the world is working pretty good for you, that can be a real challenge. In the gospel, we read that power summits become healing parties, that outcasts get to be the insiders, that the captives are freed, that kings become servants, that God becomes human, that death becomes new life. This world rearranging gospel, it requires much of us to believe, and it is especially difficult to do when the world is working just fine for you. So yes, we will take all the prayers. My husband, Ryan, teaches a series called The Bible in Poverty. I haven't taken his course, but I did catch him in a YouTube recording. It was for the Episcopal Preaching Foundation, and it's a really good course. Maybe some of you have taken it. Um, in this course on Bible and poverty, he quotes greats like Walter Brueggemann, Luke Timothy Johnson, and he makes the case that Scripture speaks consistently about poverty. And by that, he means that money is in the Bible a whole lot. He suggests there are at least 2,000 verses in the Bible about poverty and that every book of our sacred text, there is some sort of discourse around wealth, around economics, around injustice. The earliest church cared about economy too. In Acts, we know that that early gathering of believers, they shared their possessions. And one of the reasons that they came under fire is because they changed economy. They changed the perspective of the economic world. In that earliest church, third century, just getting established, they really drew ire from the Romans because they focused on poverty alleviation. And so, in this course, Ryan asks, with the weight of Scripture and the history of the early church resting on economic justice, why does the modern church mostly ignore it, or at least tend to focus on other things. In the recording, I got to watch as this group of pastors, they were priests, as they explored that question, why doesn't the church talk about money? The answers were thoughtful and engaged and brutally honest, and I wondered if they had forgot they were being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> the 
The first answer from one of the priests on her Zoom screen was, we don't preach about money because no one really wants to tithe. Good point. Someone else piped in, yes, we don't talk about scripture, what it says about money, because we don't want to take it seriously. Someone else chimed in with, we don't talk about God's economy because we have to focus on keeping our doors open. We don't feel like we can really do anything because we have got to survive. That's right, came the reply. So we do those feel-good microservice opportunities, but we don't tackle the systems that cause poverty and that cause wealth. Look, it's too complicated to unravel, interjected another, and There are very real and hard feelings of guilt that we who have not only what we need, but that we who have a surplus will have to face. The priests shared so many good reasons not to take up Jesus' path and talk about money in a congregation. I was surprised that in the Zoom recording, we didn't hear from Ryan, that he didn't offer his opinion and response because I have heard his perspective at home, and I'll let you in on it here. What does he think is going on with the lack of communication in the church about wealth, with the paucity of our preaching on poverty? Jesus talks the most about money, he says but pastors almost never do because that's when they get in trouble. I'm glad he's out of town today because he would probably be getting a little nervous right now. (laughs) But I think you all have known me long enough to know that the way that I take up topics that might get me in trouble is by bringing all of you into the mess with me. Some might call this cover, I call it the shared decision-making of Presbyterian polity. And it is in my nature to assume that you all have important pieces of this puzzle and that it is a gift of the smaller congregation that we all can share our perspectives on the why of who we are here where our money comes from and where it goes today. So I am not just talking about money. We are all talking about it, are we not? This morning in Sunday school, we had a presentation about the budget. And the admin committee worked hard on what to say, what not to say. We talked about various revenue streams, special use funds, approaches to managing our finances, and we aren't stopping there. We promised to come back around November with HVAC updates and notes for a capital campaign, and we'll also be in stewardship season by then. That's when we talk about money in a way that probably feels most familiar, right? Tithing and giving and generosity. And we aren't stopping there either. Leadership at various levels, committees in session are being asked to think strategically about mission and ministry at Covenant Presbyterian Church. How do we witness at this moment in our history? 
how do we preach the good news on this corner at this time? How are we loving and serving in sustainable and meaningful ways? What is our witness in Buckhead? Where belovedness and worthiness can easily feel tied to that almighty dollar and to the success of the amount of our nickels and dimes. So yes, we'll take all the prayers that we can get. And believe it or not, in the passage for today, the Apostle Paul actually has a prayer for us in Buckhead by way of Philippi. In this particular letter, Paul is writing to friends. He has been with this congregation for a longer amount of time, and he loves them, and it shows. It is what is known as his joyful letter. As I mentioned, it's a letter that's written from jail. We heard that in our beginning. And we believe that it's written at the end of Paul's life. So that means that he would be in the Roman jail. And Philippi, you may not know this, it's the capital of the province. So that means it's a wealthy commercial city. It also means it's a predominantly Gentile place. And actually, it is a Roman colony. It was actually settled by Roman soldiers who were resettled there after the great wars under Emperor Augustus. So Paul is writing to a seat of privilege and power and wealth, but to a community there that is nevertheless called to live out that upside-down kingdom world a church there that is called to the gospel message of service and mercy and love. It is kind of amazing that Paul is happy with them. Sometimes Paul's letters can feel quite strident, whether it's the theological treatise to the Romans where he's trying to get an audience with them or where it's managing the arguments that are brewing in Galatia and seeking for a resolution there, but not here in Philippi. He knows this congregation, and he knows the suffering they're going through. He knows the weight of the kingdom work in that part of the world, and so Paul encourages them. He recognizes it is hard work they are doing, and he encourages them, and he prays for them. Some of the commentators I read said that in this particular letter, Paul is vulnerable. And it strikes me that he could have tried to get this church with Roman connections, this replanted Roman colony, to pull some strings. This could have been a networking letter where he tried to get them to connect with the higher-ups who still had people in Rome so that he could be freed from the Roman jail. But that's not his prayer for them. He is not interested in their power. He is not interested in his benefit. That's not where he wants them to spend his, their time. 
It's more important for them to live into the gospel that they know, the gospel that they have shared. It's more important for them to live in this world-turning kingdom way. And this is what I appreciate about this letter. It's more important for them to stick with it even when it's a struggle. Because in the community, in this congregation, Christ is there. Really, Paul says it best himself, so I'll pick up a few verses before where I read today and highlight some of his prayer, some of his message. I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray. And it is always a prayer of joy. This is my prayer, that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters. And so you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. Live together in a manner worthy of Christ's gospel. Do this, whether I come see you or I'm absent and hear about you, do this so that you stand firm, united in one spirit and mind as you struggle together to remain faithful to the gospel. I pray for you and I thank God for you. I pray that you will be able to decide what really matters and that to your love, more richness of knowledge and insight will be added. I pray that you will live together and that you will struggle together to remain faithful to the gospel of our risen Lord. Thank you, Paul for your prayers. We'll take them all. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.